so glad we took the time to go on holiday at last. Yeah, it was, it was so chill. Uh, you know, just wandering past all those beautiful fields of wheat and barley. Well, it's a shame none of the photos came out. Oh no, really? Yeah, here, look. Oh, yeah, they are really grainy. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnadale. And I'm not Jane Eyris Magnadale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, we're wifey types. We talk about media we've consumed in the week and do silly voices and skits and have a bit of a silly catch-up. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm a sleepy little bean. Yeah. I'm so sleepy. The, yeah. the, 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 my solar recharge thing that's uh, been vanishing. The I... weather has been colder and that yeah. generally... No, I'm not as sleepy as I expected to be, which is surprising, considering I am doing all of the work at the second. You are doing all of I the work. I am in the midst of all of the projects. Yeah. But somehow I found a little island of calm where I'm like, oh, I actually feel quite, quite awake and alert at this moment. I give it like 15 minutes into the podcast, I'll be ready for a nap, I'm sure. But right now I feel quite alert and awake. Some of the things you can even talk about. Indeed, some of those are things I've played. Yeah. Shall we talk about things we've played this week? Yeah, let's do, well, I'll start with you, because you know, you, well, you've got more things, I think. Yeah, well, should we should we start with um, one, one of the ones that uh, is, is like a new thing that came out? Or is coming sure. out around the time we're recording this? Ooh. Uh, I've been playing Forza Motorsport. The wow, I edited an episode of yeah, that. Yeah, they, they got rid of the numbers. It's the 2023 Forza Motorsport. Ah, they've done uh, the, the EA FIFA route, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I've played... Look, I, I'm not hugely up to speed, ha, huh, on the, uh, for, uh, the Forza Motorsport games. Like, a lot of my experience with Forza as a series comes from Forza Horizons, which is their sort of slightly more arcade-y... Um, there's lots of loud rock and po- uh, like rock and dance music playing as you like race a train. Yeah, race against a train. Now you're doing a race against like a jumbo jet, and now the- here's a warthog from Halo. It's they're slightly sillier version of like Lego big- tracks, Hot Wheels tracks. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, but this is their like their equivalent to Gran Turismo. Uh, they're sort of serious sim technical racer that is on like here is a real world race track and a real car, and you tune it up. And you do, like, four laps of this one track, and they're, like, three-minute laps each, and, like, ten-ish minutes later, you have sure done four laps of that racing track. And these are not usually games I get on well with, because I fucking suck at coordination, and I know nothing about cars. I don't know enough about cars to not fuck them up, and I'm not good at reliably doing, like, hairpin turns where on racetracks where it's like ah you you went like a millimeter off the the track you're gonna get in trouble Mm. or you're just gonna skid (laughs) yeah and i feel like important context for like how i feel about this new forza motorsport is talking a little bit about gran turismo 7 which came out i think like a year and a half ago and that game was really disappointing Mm. uh for me as someone that like focuses on accessibility stuff because PlayStation were, like, at this point, like, three years into a pretty good record of every first-party game they released being fairly standardised in what they were introducing accessibility-wise. And even if, you know, certain features like high-contrast mode weren't always appearing everywhere, and certain developers were pushing things forward more than others, you could rely on this understanding that Sony first-party studios 
understood accessibility was important. Mm. And then Gran Turismo 7 comes out and has nothing in the way of accessibility settings basically at all, and what minimal settings there are there um, were not consistently applied. It felt like it was a real, like, noticeable step down from everything else Sony was doing accessibility-wise. Yeah. And Was there any given reason for that? Or? There's no given reason for it. The the reason I think most people would would assume, and the one that feels like it probably makes sense to me, is sim racers are very technically minded, very precision, specialised games. Mm. And they're very unforgiving generally, or have historically been in their design. And I think a lot of people just sort of took the view of, yeah... Sim races just aren't a particularly, you know, approachable or accessible genre, you know, there's only so much you can do, that they're about being hard and technical, and that that was sort of hand-waved as, like, the the excuse for it. Hmm. If you want to look a bit more um, graciously, Gran Turismo games are typically, like, once-a-console generation things for PlayStation, and this game's probably been in development since considerably before Sony's big accessibility push, and maybe it was too far into development for, like, those conversations to be happening early on, you know, things like that. But mm. the end result is, it was a really, like, disappointingly inaccessible racing sim. And not a lot of people, like, pointed that out. A lot of people went, ah, that's just how racing sims are. Yeah. And that context is kind of important, because Forza Motorsport is really impressive in terms of accessibility. Um, I am genuinely pretty blown away at how much of an effort this game has made to take a notoriously unapproachable genre mm. and make it both more accessible and more approachable um, for the average player, both for, you know, players with disabilities, but also players who have come from playing more arcadey races and are trying to make that step into, you know, your sort of more sim racing. Um, so, basic things... There is a menu on first boot that uh, goes, hey, here's a bunch of quick toggles you can do um, to get you started. Um, one that they have on by default is um, driving assist, which is a bunch of settings to help with things like uh, braking, to help with putting a, a driving line on track. Things that uh, I find really interesting they've put on as default because it sort of less stigmatizes using them. Yeah, I it's feel like the driving line has been on... By default for a while, I could be wrong. Like I've only played maybe the very first Forza Motorsport, and yeah. I remember like that being my big thing. Like, yeah, fr a fr like going to a friend's house, playing on his Xbox, and being like, "Yeah, there is a, a whole driving line, and it changes color yeah. to give you idea about speeding." Yeah, up and, and you can stuff. like turn that off. But like, yeah, the the default they go is like if you're not someone who's like very up to speed on racing sims. We're just going to default these things to one for you so you can have an easier time getting on board. Hmm. Um, there is a lot of customizability in terms of, like, uh, difficulty, which I've really appreciated. There's, like, three different prongs to race difficulty. There is the difficulty of enemy AI races on the track, which is separate from the difficulty of the rule set, which is separate from... You can move yourself up and down in the starting order to mm. uh, sort of increase your challenge or make it easier for you, and the game will sort of predict based on your practice lap times and your, you know, difficulty. Uh, it'll go, yeah, we reckon if you start here in the in the track, this is roughly where you're, you'll end at the end of the race, and 
you can sort of do your difficulty that yeah. way. And then, like, as I noticed that as you were popping into the difficulty level and changing the um, yeah class thing, that, that the you could then go back to the the um, yeah position and just be like, yeah, okay. Previously, I was guaranteed to kind of win or, or considered to be likely to win at every position. Yeah. But I've ramped it up and now there's, I can see where the challenge is yeah. most likely and, to be. And that was really nice, being able to go like, okay, so it, it, it's saying like I'm unlikely to be challenged in most positions in the starting line. Cool. How much do I knock the, the, the driver difficulty up to bring that challenge to a place where my winning is like uncertain but but doable mm. um and generally i found like that has been balanced really well it's it's estimation of where you will finish based on your difficulty and your practice laps is pretty solid nice. um but yeah uh, of those three i think they all work really well together the rules uh preset is the one that like i really appreciate which allows you to turn off things like having to worry about damage to your tyres, having to worry about fuel pit stop uh, timing, um, being able to not have to uh, be penalised with time additions for going off track if that going off track doesn't materially help you overtake another racer, uh, having the option to have rewind on, which is a feature I really appreciate oh, yeah. in the Forza Horizon games, where any time past the first corner of the first lap, you can just press Y at any time with no penalty to just rewind the race a bit it and feels, try from further back. It feels like a great way of actually learning because yes. a lot of games, I mean, not necessarily driving, but games where it's like, yeah, get good, but we are going to send you right back to the beginning of, say, a level yes. or something else. You're not able to just drill that one thing that you need to be getting better at. And I think yes. having the rewind option is just going, I understand the thing very specifically in that right rather than trying to remember yeah. everything that leads up to and, that moment and it particularly given that like doing your like three or four laps of a, of a track or whatever can be like a 10 minute process uh and that's after you've done your practice laps um having like my hand just didn't do what it was meant to and i fucked up that corner nine and a half minutes into a 10 minute race Ooh. and spun out onto the gravel and every car went past me and there is no recovering from it doesn't yeah. feel good. And being able to go, you know what? Fuck it. Rewind. I'm going to retry that corner. Yeah. I uh, like it makes me a lot more willing to invest that 10 minutes into doing a mm. big lengthy race if I'm not going to go, well that's nine and a half minutes wasted because I fucked up at the last second. Yeah. And as someone that can't consistently do things, mm. it's really nice to have that little barrier for for consistency. Yeah. Um I like that rewind is available on the first two. Uh, rule set modes out of three hmm. uh, that it's not just for the basic rule set you can go up to like the middle one and still have access to rewind yeah. um, beyond that there is a bunch of uh, pretty ambitious stuff in this game to do with bl uh, assistance for blind drivers I'm not in a position to review those aspects um, go check out I believe uh, Sightless Combat and Steve Saylor I know of I think have reviews going up uh, and Steve's already done a video talking about it, right? Yeah, Steve Saylor, I think we talked about it on yes. uh, Quips a couple of weeks ago. He did a video about previewing the game. And yeah, go check out go check out coverage from Blind Gamers. But I'll talk a little bit about the, the concept here. Um, and some of the stuff I did use myself and found pretty beneficial. Um, so, simple one. Audio descriptions are added. That's good. If you're going to make your game playable by blind players, it's good to also describe the stuff that's going on visually. Mm -hmm. uh, cutscenes are really well handled. Um, outside of like big cutscenes, 
it's a little more intermittent. Occasionally, the audio descriptions will describe a thing that isn't actually on screen, but will be in on screen in like 10 minutes, which is like, yeah, not ideal, but it is certainly better than it not being there. And at least in big cutscenes, it's pretty well uh, included. Hmm. Um, but the big one is uh, audio cues to help people uh, who have either limited vision or no vision uh, race around tracks, which... Uh, there is a kind of overwhelming number of uh, options for this, from uh, audio panning entirely left and right to tell you sort of which direction you need to move to be on the driving line, to audio that increases in volume and intensity for how much you need to be braking to be at the recommended speed for the driving line, sounds that will pan to tell you how close you are to the side of the track at any given time, um, Narration to tell you what turns are coming up and uh, what direction and what sort of uh, steepness uh, of angle of turn. Um, there's a whole bunch. Mm. Um, it's a bit overwhelming if you put them all on at once. Um, yes. You're going to need to turn like the rest of the game audio down by like 25-30%. And the, the thing I feel like from the outside this is missing is... A tutorial designed to one by one introduce players to those cues in isolation. Yeah. And let players react to each cue in isolation before they're all put together. Yes. Because right now, there's not like, at, at the very least, if there is, I couldn't find it, a glossary of what sounds mean what things. Yeah. So the only real way to work it out is to manually go into the settings, turn on just one setting yourself, practice with it. There's no, like, structure to teaching you the audio cues or yeah, to double-checking I know you can mess around cue. with, like, the pitching and stuff for, for certain things. Yeah, it's... It is very... It's very sim-racing game. Yeah. In that there is an overwhelming amount of things you can customise and you can really tailor the experience to what you need, mm. accessibility-wise. But the thing it's missing is, like, a, a setup wizard to go through all yeah. of those things one by one and teach you how to use them and go, cool, which of these do you want? Yeah, like, like even if it's just like, here is a long straight piece of track, we're going to put a driving line somewhere on it, it's, like it's extra yeah. wide or something. Okay, the driving line is to your right, and you yeah. can hear it because of this, and these are the beeps that are going to do that. Like, take out all of the game audio, like every, everything else, just yeah. go, this is how this works. It, and it is... From everything I've seen from people who've like previewed this, particularly Steve Taylor's preview, it does seem like the tools that are here are really useful, and I'm incredibly glad to see a developer like this make an attempt at doing this. It does feel... This is the one place where it does feel like Gran Turismo is being a bit sim racer about how it introduces things. Mm. Because in every other aspect of this game, it's doing a lot of like very good work at onboarding gently its mechanics. Mm. Um... There's a few uh, of those mechanics, uh, those audio cues that I have found really useful to keep on as a sighted player. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate those upcoming turn commands. Yes. I'm not very good at keeping an eye on a minimap when I'm in the middle of a race where I have to like be paying attention to a lot of things. Yeah. Having descriptions, having like the description of what the turn is going to be and the little pings as I'm approaching, entering, middle, exiting mm. is really nice. Uh, I really appreciate the sound cue that plays when you uh, when your wheel touches the outside edge of the track. So you're like, this is the line where I will get penalised if I go further. Mm. It's just nice to have a little bit of extra feedback when I'm like laser focused on where I'm going. It was quite interesting because this was like most of your weekend sat playing, um, getting ready for the review stuff, and I was painting miniatures. Yeah. Um, but 
with that going on, like occasionally I'd be like, which what is that that particular beep do? Yeah. And you'd tell me what it is, like, okay. And although I was focusing on my own thing and I only occasionally sort of picking up, I had a pretty good idea of yeah. roughly what was going on in the race. That's the thing. Even without like a good pair of stereo headphones on to like hear the panning, mm. like just coming out the TV, it is still like just immersing yourself in that full list of audio cues, you you get to a point of going Cool, yeah, I can follow what that is. Yeah, it got way easier once you turned down the game audio, because yes. I think initially you had it at, at full. I did for a little bit. It's <laughs> it there is there is a curve to overcome. Yes. And if people can get past that slightly overwhelming that's a lot of sounds happening, there is a really good set of tools here. Mm. Um But they, it's difficult to manage when you've also got like engine noise and other car noise and yes, yes. Um, all that good stuff. But uh, putting that aside, other bits, um, I really appreciate that for car upgrades, you can just press a button to go, pick the upgrades for me that I can afford, that keep my car balanced, and that get me the most, like, upgrade for my money with what I can currently afford. And I just press one button, and it goes, cool, these points are going to go up, and it'll cost you this much. I'm like, thank you, game. Does it give it, like, is there, like, a, hey, if you're, like, aiming for this type of build, aiming for that type of build? Um. You can obviously just, quick you can obviously go differently if you wish, but the way they do it is like the recommendation is to keep all of the stats roughly level to like the sort of stat distribution it had when you first got the car, okay. just all the numbers up in proportion. Okay, yeah, it's sense. like the rough, like the performance profile that like we give you with the starting car, that but better. Mm. And you can if if you get comfortable enough, you want to tweak some things, feel free. But that sort of will keep your experience consistent while making number go up. Yeah. And I've played a few of like yeah. these, maybe like the original Gran Turismo, like yeah. that had a lot of customization, customization stuff. And as somebody who doesn't drive, yeah. like a lot of that stuff is well beyond me anyway. And then getting into like super technical stuff where like everything's given like little points because they talk about like how like this suspension's not even necessarily like buying the equipment, but when you're talking about like this is the suspension setting, this is the composition yes. of the tires. So yeah, those things they put in an entirely separate menu and they're like, hey, don't even worry about this. Don't worry. Oh, like if you if you don't know what this is, don't even worry about it. Go to the one menu where you buy new parts and we will get you parts that make your number go up. Oh. Cool, that's what yeah. I need from you. And yeah. But all that stuff is there if you are, you know, the kind of yeah. person who's very nerdy about like motorsport and racing. Look, this isn't this game isn't gonna be like the game that makes me love sim races more than, you know, arcade races. I'm still gonna be a bigger fan of like Forza Horizon. But this caught me a lot more on board than most attempts at this do. It's less gatekeeping. Indeed. And uh it's not without its its little things here and there. Um the game doesn't bring back the British Sign Language and American Sign Language uh, interpreters that no. were introduced uh, well, a year, two years ago in Forza Horizon 5. Which was one of the first things I asked you. I was like, hey, yeah. did they do the it's, thing? It's a weird little omission, and I would love some transparency on the why of that. Oh. Um, is, it be- is it just because there's less narrative in this compared to Horizon? Is it to do with usage statistics? You know, I, I would love to know what went on there. Yeah. Um, Is it because they left it six months before releasing it? Possibly. Uh, the the other thing, and this is a drum I've been beating recently uh, on accessibility, is 
it really feels like Xbox is trying to make pay extra money to pe- play five days early um, a standard for first-party Xbox games. Aww. We've had two months in a row where there have been two big first-party Xbox games that have both done this now. Starfield next uh, last month, back in September. Mm. Almost exactly a month later, it happens with Forza Motorsport. It happened with Forza Horizon 5, like a year and a half ago. Mm. I really don't like this being established as a standard. Um, they're still advertising these games as a playable day one on Game Pass. They're not. They're playable on day five. Don't, you know, don't be disingenuous about this. It kind of gets rid of the whole ability to use Game Pass on launch day of a game to go, I don't know if this is going to be accessible for me. I'll just download it on Game Pass and find out whether I can play Mm. it rather than buy it and refund it because it's not accessible and have to wait for the money to come back. And it just capitalizes on FOMO and getting people to spend additional money they don't need to do, which... It particularly impacts disabled people and people with disabilities that impact, you know, impulse control. Mm. And it does not feel like something that should exist alongside a company trying to push for greater accessibility in gaming. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, those quibbles aside, I was very impressed with this. And the way mm. I, I, I want to, like, leave this is Forza Motorsport does a huge amount to prove that technical racing sims can be an accessible genre. And I would love to see this be a blueprint that other developers look at and go, our racing games could be playable by more people too. Mm. Um, Like, there's a lot of racing games, you know, be they arcade or sim style, that would really benefit from having audio cues that would allow blind players to play. That is something I would love to see more, you know, racing developers pick up on. Don't let the fact that you're a complicated racing sim scare you away from being approachable and accessible. I'd love to see the concept of the driving line come into, like, other things as well, because the types of games I play are mostly, like, kart races, but I'm not a good driver, because I don't really, like, people talk about, like, accelerating out of corners and slowing down in certain ways, like, when, where, what, how do I judge it in a game that I'm more interested in playing? Yeah, let me do practice laps in a kart racer where there is a driving line that maybe isn't there in the, in the final race, but that lets me learn the driving line of the track. Yeah. Shit like that. Understand, like, I think we talked a little bit about this with Street Fighter (laughs) 6, like, if you can teach people fundamentals. Yeah. In, 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 which is quite important because, like, a lot of people haven't necessarily been brought up on these things, especially now that yeah. we're in the what ninth console generation and we haven't. Not everyone was there from day one about yeah. things. People need to learn and you know stop the fucking gatekeeping at, at all yeah. things. A, a great one. I know. I know. I'm still talking about Forza. A great one with that for Forza is I keep thinking I might turn off the automatic on the gear change and Mm. start manually changing gears because there's a blind driving assist that does an audio cue when it's time to shift up or a different audio cue when it's time to shift down gear. Just have a thing I don't have to be looking at that's like, I hear that sound, I shift up gear. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, talk me through it. I'm happy to engage with that mechanic. Yeah. Like, give me something I don't have to keep an eye on that I just hear it and do the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will start taking those training wheels off. Yep. I will start engaging with more mechanics. And maybe I will get better at other games as a result. Exactly. Um, so yeah, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Oh, nothing nearly so sp- serious. <laughs> uh, we, we, we played Pizza Possum. 
We did. We played Pizza Possum. We played Pizza Possum. This is the game we mentioned. I think I think I mentioned the uh, the demo when I got back from from yes. Gamescom. It's a game about a little possum trying to eat a bunch of food and not get caught by the cops. Yeah, who are dogs? Yeah, Fennec foxes. Don't get caught by the by the by the cop dogs. Mm. Get to explore our eat island. Eat lots of food. Eat big cheese. Eat big salad. Eat big fish. Eat pizza. Yeah, <laughs> steel crown. The game is exactly what I thought it was. Out of interest, how much more does there appear to be in this than in the demo? Um, so the demo, I had like a very li- limited time with it. Okay. I basically had enough time to explore to that area where the fish was. Oh, yeah. That's about as far as I got mm. in the demo. Yeah. So, uh, but that that was a Gamescom demo. I don't know if there was a public demo right. that was available, but yeah. uh Yeah, so... This game is what, like a? It's about five five pound. Uh, I think it's uh, currently five because it's on a discount for like new release. Yeah, but I think it's normally about six quid. Yeah, and at that price, it was a fun single night night in. Yeah, it, I've pl- I have played a little bit more. Yeah, not much. I, I've been tempted to go back to it in in solo on stream. Uh, it it's it, a very different game on solo. Yes, I get that impression. You you have a lot less ability to rely on someone coming and saving you. Well, not just that, but like it's it's more like the the thing in 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 multiplayer is that it does that thing of like and it it does all the right things I think with couch um, co op of go, doing the split screen and the line for the split screen is like relative to where the other person is, so you can yeah. always track that person the other person yeah. down if they've gone miles away and got captured. Yeah. yeah. Because you know, like, which direction the thing is, and then it will yes. seamlessly link back on, up once on you're close paper, enough. On paper, they did all the right things there. Um, <laughs> the thing is, like, even on a screen as big as ours, it can get quite difficult to see it, enough yeah. of the screen when you're trying to, like, stealthily, like, make your way around. And yes. it becomes less of a, uh, like, stealth action, sneak them yes. up, eat pizza, and more of a... Ha ha ha! Help! They arrested me for being a round little fella. Oh, I come save you from being a round little fella. <laughs> and there's a button yeah. that just makes you scream. Yes, and and this is the thing is like I I some of the they as we say they did all the right things in how they did their split screen. Oh yeah, doesn't change the fact that sometimes if your co-op character who's off screen uh runs you know from like in a sort of arc around you. That split screen sort of rotates in a way that suddenly changes what you can and can't see yes. a little bit, and that can be a bit disorienting. It can, well, not only that, but it can really hide enemies from you. Yes. It can um, mean that like you you were all sort of set up to make your way around something, but someone, some yeah. the other player has moved into a position, which means now you can't see the guard who you were very carefully yes. watching which way they were. But, like moving their direction, but it, it, in that way, like it is ridiculous fun co-op. Yeah, it is. It is very fun co-op in that it is. It is a. At some point, my friend is going to get captured because they couldn't quite see an enemy coming, and I'm going to have to run and save them <laughs> from the food cops. Um, <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, you know, scarfing all your own food it, down. It is a different experience, definitely, when you can see the whole screen. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, it is not a hugely lengthy game to get to the, the top of the mountain in. No, I think we did it in like a couple of hours. Yeah, but it was a constant thing of should we do another run? Should we do another run? Yeah, should we do another run? Should we and do like another? even if nothing really changes, the core of that game is really fun. The 
I'm just a little fella. I want to shove food in my mouth. The cops are going to see me. I'm going to run away still shoving food in my mouth. You will get fatter G- if you do giggle, so. Giggle, giggle, giggle. <laughs> um, uh, throw, throw a bunch of uh, bollards behind me to slow the cops down as I get into the bush and hide. Because cops wouldn't j- jump a fence. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me let me drink my espresso quickly and then put on a little fake cop ha- hat to be like, yes, I am a dog. Do not it's arrest me. me. I'm, I'm eating food. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to eat food. Run away. <laughs> it's... It is exactly the game it seems to be, and it's very charming. Yes. I uh, would definitely recommend playing in couch co-op, co-op, but maybe do the, the classic thing of the 90s of g- get a big cushion and sit right in front of the telly and do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of good fun. The The main thing that sort of makes going back to it curious, at the very least, is mm. the fact that um, at the end of every run, like if if you are captured in solo or if uh, you're both captured in multiplayer, you will like score points and a little bar will go up and you will potentially unlock more things. And the yes. first one's like, here's an orangina, you're a little bit fizzier. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I think you run faster, you get a little speed dash. And the espresso makes you. I think eat so. Faster? I think the thing is, espresso isn't a consumable item. It just increases your speed overall for okay. the remainder of the run. The orangina is a temporary speed boost, but it's more noticeable speed boost. Then you've got the um, blockades, which you can drop behind you, and yeah. it will slow down, slow down people. You got little squeaky you. bones. Little squeaky bones to make them chase that. There's the the cat box thing. Yeah, the jack in the box, but it's a cat in the box. Yeah. And all of the dogs fucking go nuts for it. Yes, um, from like a really wide range. There's the smoke bomb, which I think is one of the most useful ones in there. Yes. Because like, I'm about to get caught. I, mean, I drop a smoke bomb and I can free myself. It's a portable uh, way to break line of sight that allows you to, say, get into a bush and they yeah. don't know where you are anymore. Oh, yes. It's good when you're like, my friend is captured. I have yeah. to make sure I've got a smoke bomb so that I can risk getting really close to where they were captured. Because yeah. um, sometimes the cops will just like grab the other person and run off to a very heavily populated area. It's like, ah, shit, I've got to free you from the square. <laughs> and occasionally you'd be like, I'm going to get you. Oh, nom, nom, nom. It's like, huh? I think you're, you're about to get arrested. Oh, no, I just need to, I need to eat the fish. Oh, nom, nom, nom. Okay, I'm coming. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Lumber, laughs> an important fish. It was an important fish. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I still can't get over that. They arrested me for being a round little fella. <laughs> I mean, that is the whole game. They keep arresting me for being a round little fella. It made me very happy. Um, but yeah, in Solo, it is way more like... Sneak in the bush, sneak out, sneak out of the bush. Um, num, num, num. Oh, I think the coast is clear. Shit, they came out of that door. Okay, hold it, hold the line, hold the line. Um... Like having the knowledge of the like the shape of the island, and how you can get around it, certainly helps. But there, there is there is a lot more to it. There's like different paths you can take up. Like the whole like going to one side or the other isn't necessarily particularly helpful because really what you want to be basically doing is just heading up. The yes. thing, the thing is that it gives you less options for places to run away from if you get captured. Yes, but also meaning that there's less potential food available. In, in areas mm. to run through. So it's like, do I go and... Um, now that I've got I've eaten enough food to get a key, do I go and open the thing to the side of me? Do I go more yeah. sort of upwards and, and open more progress and eat that really big cheese? <laughs> but um, yeah, I've I've unlocked uh, like boxing gloves now as a whole thing. You can sneak up Ooh. behind people and boop them. <laughs> um, and then there's a the whole thing. If you get to the top 
And he steal the crown yeah. from the king and eat his pizza. He's a very, very charming little game. But then there's like a whole mission of, hey, can you do it three times without getting caught? I don't think I can, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I've been at this four hours. Uh, yeah, what else have you played? Uh, I started playing a thing on your recommendation, which mm. I don't know whether you've talked about on Quips yet before, which is the Deep Rock, uh, Deep Rock Galactic Survivors. No, because that only came out. Like in the last I, week, I think I, I thought that was the case. Yeah. yeah. So this is the demo for the Deep Rock Galactic Vampire Survivors game. Yes. Which uh, we've talked about Deep Rock Galactic, but probably not for a while. It is a uh, like the original Deep Rock Galactic is a first-person co-op uh, dwarves mining game. Yeah, yeah, mining dwarves on a giant asteroid in space, and the, like, the you work for sort of a yeah. company. Who are like get get gold, get get nitra, and and come back to us with success, and all of these yeah. little like side missions of like find particular minerals yeah. or um kill a particular um hmm. like big very dangerous enemy. You fight off waves of monsters. Yeah, these yeah. these weird bug things that live on this planet. Uh, or, uh, asteroid, yeah, I'd say. Very, 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 very enjoyable game that we're both big fans of. Yeah. And they've released a demo for a Vampire Survivors-esque game, and the demo's really promising. Yeah, this this is one of the few uh, Vampire Derivers that I've been, like, genuinely excited for, because there have mm. been so many that are like, ah, oh, yes, the the auto-shooter is, is, like, hugely popular at the moment, Let let us all get in on that. And we've like you've now played Twenty Minutes Till Dawn as well. Oh yeah, like, I've, I've played a few. Of there's these. a few pretty naff ones, and even from like the first trailers, was like this looks interesting. Yeah, first of all, so this is a top-down game. It's done in 3D. Yes, and very few, you know, these Vampire Survivors games are. It looks really nice. Yeah, the visual style is great. They oh, do yeah. a really good job of capturing like the the main 3D game. Mm-hmm. In a top-down perspective, yeah. And if anything, uh, like looking at the menus with um, like dwarf selection mm. in the demo, there's only one. There's, there's the scout, but um, it's a lot smoother. Mm. Like they they deliberately the deliberately in um, Base Deep Rock Galactic is a little bit uh, more uh, low poly. Yeah. Despite the fact that like we rendered with like all sorts of interesting texture stuff. Um, as soon as I started learning Blender, I was like, hmm, the Voronoi texture, I see this a lot. Um, and the demo has, like, one, uh, level to go to. You've got one, uh, type of dwarf, but they've got, I think, two specializations available? Yeah, so basically, if you play through far enough, you will unlock a different variant of the, um, scout dwarf, which is the recon dwarf. Uh, And they have, like, a, a... lightweight um, gun uh, that fires in four directions at once. Uh, And you've got access to a good chunk of, like, the uh, upgrade tree stuff to start, like, playing around with, like, upgrading your character stats. Yeah, so there's uh, something in the region of, like, 12 different stats that you can raise from 0 to 5. These are your, like, permanent upgrades between runs using your currency. Yes. Uh, I really like the format of how this plays, because it's, like... Is it? It's a set number of levels you've got to get through to do a run. It's what, like five? Yeah. So the the type of uh, mission that is available in the demo yeah. is uh, the dreadnought mission, and which in in the main game is there's a big egg somewhere in the map. If you shoot it enough, a huge, really dangerous boss will come out, and you'll have to kill it while also dealing with all the general shit that goes on in the game. And this is kind of the same, um, yeah. but you've got to do like four levels to get to the level where the big boss will be, and yes. then. They're time limited. 
So you get in a level and you have X amount of time to do, do your objective and get out. Yeah. And your objectives will be, you know, maybe mine a bunch of this mineral and you'll have your like little sub-objectives or... Um... Well, at the moment, the uh, all the missions are... Based on you'll like, there's a, a bar at the top of the screen, and it'll have yeah. like it'll be six segmented, and depending on like how deep you are, there will be more things, and it'll yeah. be things like, okay, there's going to be a swarm, which means once oh, the bar yes, reaches yes, this yes. point, there's going to be like a lot more enemies just busting out of the screen. At some point, you are going to get a supply drop, and you're going to have yes. to like find the supply the, drop and grab it. Yeah, the mining X amount of things is for the side quest, uh, the side objectives. It's yes. not the main objective for the level. And so, you don't yes, even yes. start with the side quests. Like you are in, literally th- your first run is you don't have a mini map. Yeah. You don't have any side quests. Kill the dreadnought if you can. Yeah, but you do want to be you do want to be mining stuff because that'll help you buy upgrades between levels within the run. Yes, it'll get you the currency for buying the permanent upgrades between runs. Yes, that sort of thing. So um, gold can be used for re-rolling um, options for upgrades. You'll get mm-hmm. like a, a choice of three during the level. So every time you collect enough XP, you'll get thing uh, get um, a, a choice of three things, and it could be reload faster or make a weapon faster mm. at certain level points you will be offered an extra weapon you can yep. hold up to up to four weapons and each of those can be upgraded and every time you upgrade any of them to level 12 you start unlocking um the option for uh overclocks which was a thing in mm. base deep rock galactic and they will be like, here is a choice of two things. They will vastly change the weapon in some way. Yeah. That will get progressively more chaotic the further through, the, like mm. the higher the level is. Um, and I like that you can both mine and shoot enemies at the same time. Yes. So you're not limited to doing one or the other, which is really appreciated. Um, you sort of. S- there doesn't seem to be any ability to um, manually aim where you shoot. No, no and at least with like the characters uh, that are you know available in the demo right now, uh, they don't. F- they're not like Vampire Survivors characters where it's like this one fires to the left and right. It a little sh- bit, a little bit, but it generally seems like it is. It feels like it's firing at the closest enemy, generally. Yeah, so uh, the base scout does shoot, um, or as far as I can tell, shoots at the closest enemy. Yes. I have found one of the weapons that you can get one of the overclocks for. It says it will change from whatever it is now to the highest HP. Implying that at some point there might be more customization around that. Yeah. But the recon... Scout, which is the the other the variant. Four scout, direction shoot shoots in four yeah. directions, and they are always up, down, left, and right. Oh, I haven't had a chance to try them yet. Interesting. Until I have learnt from the the Steam forums, if you get that weapon leveled up to twenty five, which is freaking ridiculous. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen it go that high. Um, not for a single weapon, anyway. Apparently, you can make it rotate. Interesting. But that, as far as I can tell, is the only one I've seen so far that is like, it does a specific thing and you can make it do something different. Because yeah. if anything, that recon mode is a really difficult start, especially yeah. if you don't pick like a really high pat, like something like the shotgun as your, as your second yes. weapon. But that said, the, the default character's default weapon aiming mode that just fires at the nearest thing Never felt like a problem. No. It felt like it was very smartly picking targets. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can stay close enough to the thing you're you're targeting, like, yeah. don't kite so far away that it's like, oh, actually, there's something behind you that yeah. is is now closer and is, um, is getting targeted. 
But yeah, it is a very promising demo. Oh, yeah. It's it's got me very excited for this game. Uh I uh I'm pretty of any company because apparently this is gonna be an early access and yes. like that's how they're gonna develop it. And of any company that that would do that, I feel like the Deep Rock Galactic developers have earned a degree of trust there. Well, as far as I can tell, because um it's Ghost Ship made Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah. Um and Ghost Ship are publishing this. Interesting. It's um I think it's like Funcom or something are making okay. the actual um yeah. survivors bit of it. But it's got uh, like a lot of the original like graphics, or at least so slightly smooth versions of it. Yeah. It's got all of the announcer yes. stuff, which works I, really well. I here's the thing. I I would hope that the people at the top who control the you know the 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 property that is Deep Rock Galactic, mm. I have a degree of trust that they you know would update this regularly to the point that like an early access purchase isn't a foolish idea. Yeah. Based on the fact that Deep Rock Galactic is a game that has had a ridiculously long tail of ongoing uh, additional support and a bunch of free content year after year after its release. I think it's like seven or eight years old this year. Yeah. And like, was it last year or the year before they introduced the whole Battle Pass thing of like, yeah, you know, Battle Passes that you have in games, like we're going to have a season yeah. of things unlock a bunch of like um cosmetics and do special missions. Yeah, but that that's free. That's just a thing that exists. Yeah. They've they've been very good about just like continuing to pump stuff into that game. Yeah. And even if it's not to the same degree, it gives me it, I feel like I can trust a Deep Rock Galactic Vampire Survivors as something that would be safe to purchase in early access. Yeah. Well, I've like information on it is currently quite limited, but I've Checked out the um, Discord for the for um, mm. DRG survivors. They are talking about the aim is to release it for about the sort of price you tend to see survivors games for anyway. So okay. that's a good because that that was one of my first questions. Is like, is this going to be more expensive than base DRG? And I think base DRG is like twenty quid. So well, that's that's the thing. Is like that's not a price you can really justify in this genre space, yeah. but. You Not need, easily. You, you need, need a really you need good. a developer that like because uh, here's the thing. As soon as I saw 3D graphics, I was like, "Is that going to push it up above like the usual range for survivors type yeah. games?" But also like, are they going to go? Yeah, the fact that they they understand the market they're entering yeah. is reassuring. That is reassuring. Like, and and we will see because at the moment we don't have any idea yeah. on a release date. All they've said is. Uh, the demo is out now until the end of um, Summon Steam Next Fest, which I didn't even know there was another Next Fest on. Um, yeah. Maybe that was a, a, a little sneaky peek on, on more demos to come on Steam, because those are always fun. Yeah. Um, it's going to be for like a couple of weeks after that, and it looks like sometime before the end of October, will be the demo will be disappearing. Yeah. Um, and at some point after that, they haven't said exactly then when, but before the end of the year... It will be releasing yeah. to early access, and it will have um, the four main classes, at least a couple of different levels, and somewhere between one and three bosses. And and here's the thing: for a game genre like this, let's say it releases at about five pound, mm. which is your sort of range for these kind of yeah. games. Even if that was all that ever ended up in there, and it never got updated beyond that point, I'd be a bit disappointed. 
but I wouldn't feel like I'd been ripped off at, at that price. I mean, I already think I've had nearly five quid's worth out of the demo. Well, like, this, I've done nine hours in it. This is the thing with this genre of game, is you, you don't have to have an immense amount of content for me to feel like I got my money's worth. Yeah. And if you can get past that into the I feel like I got a real fucking steal here mm. range, you know, all power to you. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm really looking forward like, to this. There's a couple of things we didn't haven't quite mentioned that I do want to oh, quickly yeah, yeah. get on. Um, so you've got the base levels. Yeah, base levels will have uh, like un- specific unlo- unlockable missions. So it'll be mm. things like the first one I think is um, get a particular weapon upgraded to level twelve, mm. which is a, a sneaky way of going. I'm introducing you to the way. The upgrade system works yeah. because at level twelve you start unlocking the overclocks for it. Yeah. Um. And then at that point you will explain how those work. So yeah, grab that weapon, which I think is one of the first ones you unlock. Should be fairly easy after your first run. Uh, upgrade that to level twelve. Finish the dive. So all five levels, and then defeat the dreadnought at the end of it. Mm. Meaning you've had a, a whole experience there, and I think like level up to a particular level for your like main dwarf you unlock all three of those and that's enough to unlock the next difficulty level at which point you've hopefully done enough of the between level um leveling up um stuff like the the permanent upgrade unlocks because you can can then go and do like the level two difficulty just like you can Mm. in regular deep rock galactic and the enemies are like way harder to defeat the mining is a little bit slower Mm. but it is like a, a greater challenge, and then there's more mm. specific missions to that that you will be unlocking to get to the next difficulty. Yeah. At the, like in the demo, I think there's only three difficulty ratings. Mm. Uh, it looks like there are scheduled to be five, but they haven't put them all, or, or they're not available in the demo. They're all greyed yeah. out at the moment as not in demo. But it looks like there is going to be a pretty sizable amount of of content. Yeah. Once this once this becomes available, and I am excited for it, but um, I think level of content and and final price is going to be what sells me or doesn't ultimately. But right now, very excited. Everything and they're saying sounds like the right things to be saying for, right for now. For a free demo, you couldn't do much worse. I've I've like we've both played it on Steam Deck. Yeah, it runs great for it, for a survivors that is yeah. in a 3D engine. Um. I've heard a few people say they've had some issues with it, but, like, it's a demo that's already had, like, four patches. <laughs> they, they are clearly listening to people about certain stuff, even though there are a weird number of people in the Steam forums who don't seem to understand what a Vampire Survivors yeah. tech game is. But, yeah. Have you played anything else? Uh, let me have a look. I've not played uh, a lot else, I don't think. Mm. Um, uh, the, yeah, have we played Pizza Possum, Deep Rock Galactic Survivors... Um, I, I've been playing a bit of, and I need to go back and finish this, um, a little horror game that I picked up on Switch called Amanda the Adventurer. Okay, that um, sounds way cuter than, than horror would imply. <laughs> yeah, so it is a, uh, it is a horror game where, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, the premise of how you get there, but basically you're up in an attic, you've got a bunch of VHS tapes that are of, um, uh, children, like a Dora the Explorer level children's, like, uh, edutainment show. Right. And, uh, the basic thing is that you will be, like, watching the episode play out, and there will be clues in there that will help you do a puzzle between tapes to progress and unlock the next tape. Uh huh. And 
you will occasionally interact with the character of Amanda, despite this being a VHS tape you should not be able to interact with. Mm. And things get a little more unsettling as you go. Right. Uh, as these things do. Um, it's, it's been kind of interesting in that it's not been nearly as like, um, it's not been nearly as like, um, shock factor or gory horror as I expect out of a horror game that is using like the juxtaposition of children's media. Right. Because usually that's used to be like an excuse to have like pretty, pretty intense stuff happening. Yeah, they tend to either go like really gory or just really bizarre and occasionally just that creeping sense of terror. Yeah. So this this is more um existential dread and Ah, like the um, the clawing, uh, taking down the walls of reality and the rules of the world you're engaging with kind of thing. Like the, um, VHS tapes from, uh, Control? Yeah. So yeah, okay. I will give one example of one moment, uh, to not spoil too much, but an example I think typifies this game's brand of horror is Amanda has a friend who is a sort of anthropomorphic sheep to- uh, stood up on, on two legs mm-hmm. talking and on one of the tapes, on one of the loops through, and I'll get to that in a minute, um, you go and visit a farm and you're learning about what noises the animals make. Uh-huh. And we start getting to the noises that the sheep makes. And this sheep, who has previously been talking in full sentences, is starting to bar and is very upset about the fact that w- where is my language skill going? Oh no. Why am I suddenly only able to do the, the sheep says bar? And eventually the sheep is in the pen just buying, not speaking anymore. It, that's the sort of, like, the kind of thing where, where like, if a kid picked this up not knowing it was a horror thing, mm. like, uh, it makes me think of, like, Co the Face Stealer from Avatar The Last Airbender. Right. That category of horror where it's like, working within the limitations of uh, a media, and that's not to say it never does anything, uh, you know, more than that, but I think that's that's a good frame of reference for it. Mm. Um, the game is made up of multiple loops through a narrative, and uh, I'm not far enough through to know the full extent of, like, why that is, um, but you will sort of, like, it's maybe, like, 40 minutes uh, or so, I would guess, to do a, a run-through and you make your various choices and you do your puzzles and get through yeah. the tapes. And you will discover things through that run that you can take into future runs. Like, mm-hmm. you might learn a code to a safe and then in the next run open the safe at the start, using that knowledge you now have to access something different that will change how the, the next run works. Right. Like, um, the second run I was able to get a, um, a pause button and being able to pause the tapes at certain moments allowed me to interact in different ways and sort of change how things played out. Um, it's interesting. It's creative. Um, the performances in it are pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. I need to finish it and see see sort of how it ends. But I, I like the concept. And I think they've done some interesting stuff for what is like a fairly small scope horror game. Mm. Uh, that it's it's one of the better ones I've seen that tries to do that sort of don't hug me I'm scared juxtaposing cutesy with existential dread yeah uh, horror um, so yeah pretty, kind of having having some fun with that I need to find time to finish it this mm. week's been very busy with things that had to be higher priority 
Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else this week? Uh, no, that's it, really. I'm still plodding on with Signalis, but I know nothing special to report at the moment, apart from I've been down more holes and <laughs> the terror remains. Mm. You got anything else? No, that's it for me. Well then, time for this. Uh, coming, coming. Uh, hello. Hello, hi. Hi. Welcome. I'm this is he- my door. Yes, welcome. I'm, I'm welcome to my own uh, front door, am I? I'm here today because I've got a wonderful product to introduce you to. Uh-huh. Have you heard of homeopathy? Yes. Homeopathic tinctures, yeah. where we make uh, an element even more powerful and potent by diluting it over and over and over and over and over again to the point that it's basically unrecognisable. Mm. Could I interest you in any of our homeopathic tinctures? They're incredibly potent because of how little is in there. Right. Well, here's here's the thing. I've already got oh so many tinctures, so many tinctures. Ooh. What I'm worried about, you see, is that if I add any more, then there will be too many of them, and that will reach a level of concentration that. Homeopathy should never, never, never reach. There'd be too much. There'll be too Ooh. much, too much in here. Ooh. You wouldn't want that, would you? Oh no! Oh, you wouldn't. Oh, it's probably. Oh, no. In fact, you probably better take those away quickly, just in case oh, no. they react to all the tinctures I have in here. Oh, run, run! Ah. <laughs> Idiot! Oh, now I'm gonna have to wash all of my crystals. You've sent all of the energy off. Back to the studio. Thanks, Invisible Bob. Breaking news! The writer who promised to take some time off as soon as this busy month wraps up has entered the 11th consecutive busy month. They continue to insist that next month will be a bit more calm, but we'll have to report more as the story breaks. I swear I'm going to stop taking on so many projects. It's the end of the month. It'll be, it'll be fine. So... What have you put in your eyes uh, that you we, can talk about? We, uh, we've watched a couple of uh, YouTube documentaries over the last uh, couple of days that have oh, been yes. really interesting. We watched a half-hour documentary yesterday called The Last of the Great Telescopes by Tom Scott. Uh, that a longer one than usual for Tom Scott. Yeah, yeah. Well, the impression I get from that video is he didn't intend it to be as long as it was. <laughs> it just sort of happened. But it is a really fascinating deep dive into... Optical telescopes and how they work, and the construction of what is likely to be the world's biggest ever optical telescope, Mm. and the issues with different kinds of optical telescopes, and why it is unlikely we will ever make another one larger. Yes. And it was just a really fascinating deep dive into the minutia of how very big thing that look at space works, Mm. and... Uh, the main takeaway I took away from it is, um, a lot of the big fancy telescopes that look at space are incredibly fucking precise. Oh, yes. Uh, that, what was that one with the, the laser grid where it's like, oh yeah, we can move that thing up and down the track to like... By nanomillimeters. By like nano, nano, nanomillimeters. It's like, fuck it, that level of precision, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at space, you gotta be fucking precise. Yes, especially um, when you're doing things like linking multiple telescopes together to yeah. create bigger pictures. If if you like the idea of learning like very minute, de- like very specific details of how we look at space, mm. that was a fascinating, fascinating story. The whole thing about periodically recoating the um, 
the the lenses oh, with th- aluminium. Uh, like, yeah, we <laughs> we basically have to turn it into uh, uh, an um, uh, an aerosol and then just let it settle in this room in, at in like te- eight, ten eight atoms. atoms. Yeah, eight or ten atoms thick. Yeah. yeah. It it was a it was a real good video. Um, in a similar vein, we watched a uh, a, a, a documentary this evening. Yes, the, uh, the no clip video about the making of the Burger King. Yes, um, uh, video the, games. specifically the the I think it was like two thousand six or so trilogy of Xbox uh, Burger King video games that includes the notorious Sneak King about sneaking up on people to give them burgers. Um. That that was a mile a minute journey from from moment one. <laughs> you got weirder. <laughs> yeah, when we started like ten seconds in, and it was like, oh yeah, it was made. By, those games were made by the people who made Dizzy. Yeah, was like the fucking the start. Twins. Yeah, it was the fucking start location. But yeah, that was a fascinating journey into uh, the development of some weird uh, brand marketing video games. Um, the fact that those are the only Xbox games that you can insert into an Xbox or an Xbox 360 and they will load a different version of the game just because um, the man who owns 4,000 plus copies of that game it was a it was a very, very interesting video. Mm. It's very sweet, very much go rec- recommend going and watching it. Yeah, 100%. It's a wild ride from start to finish. Did not know any of those games were UK developed. No. That, that was... That was interesting. Yeah, least of all people who, least of all by the people who brought me the the dizzy games that I played. Yeah, so much. I didn't know they were involved in Fusion Frenzy as well. Another game I spent a lot of time playing at some point. Yeah, yeah. the The weird legacy of like we made all these things and now a lot of people know us as the Sneak King people. Yes. Um. What else have I watched this week? Um. Oh, I watched a good YouTube video. Uh, Ocarina of Time multiplayer randomizer is amazing by Linker7. I saw the thumbnail for this. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's well worth watching. I think it's like 40 minutes or so long. But this is a true online multiplayer um, randomizer uh, for Ocarina of Time that has been made uh, as a mod for the uh, the PC port Mm. that exists of Ocarina of Time because of the source code leak that happened a while back. And you can both both of you can see each other run around in real time. Uh, if one of you finds an item from the randomizer, it gets added to the other player's inventory at the same time. And you run around Ocarina of Time as a pair, trying to do collect all your randomizer items mm. to to progress. Um, the medallions you need to get to the end of the game are, you know, the end of dungeons always gives you a medallion or one of the sacred stones. Uh, but you can go back and forth in time right from the start, uh, from the start of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Wowza. and yeah, it is a really well-made uh, mod. It was quite a thing watching two people fight uh, Ganon, uh, Ganon at the end uh, together and trying to get their final hits in at the same time so they could watch <laughs> their cutscenes sync up because. The cutscenes are done in engine, which means you can see both of your characters stood in the same position, both like slightly out of sync doing the <laughs> slashes. Amazing. It's adorable. I very much like the idea of this randomizer and it was a fun it was a very fun video to watch. Yeah, and hopefully Nintendo will be less litigious about it than they were with the um the Breath of the Wild one. Yeah. Because that looked really fun and then it sort of vanished and everyone I, involved I mean, in it got in lots look, of trouble. This is involved this is around a game that is not one they're trying to imminently market a direct sequel to, so I yeah. think that'll probably be alright. Fingers crossed. Um, 
But yeah, what about you? You watched anything else this uh, week? That was it. That was it that I can talk about. Uh, the only other thing I watched this week, I'll quickly go through. Is I've started watching through a very lengthy series of videos uh, on the Digital Foundry YouTube channel. Uh, DF Retro PlayStation Three, the 1080p Dreams Dream. Mm. Uh, I, uh, let me retry that. Uh, DF Retro PlayStation Three, the 1080p Dream. So. It is a uh, digging into the history of the PlayStation 3 and the way that it was like pitched out the gate and like the, the big selling point it had over the launch 360 mm. was it can do 1080p 60. Um, and it is a like this this series is like 40 to 60 minute videos for a couple of years at a time going through the entire PS3 lifespan of every game that ran at 1080p and going how well did it run? what compromises were made, how true over this console's lifespan was the promise of this being a 1080p 60 frames per second games machine. And it's been very good background watching while working on other things to just sort of have a lot of information about the history of a console going on. Hmm. I'm like three, I, I'm on to the third video of the series. I'm, it's quite, quite a deep dive I've done. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been watching this week. Hmm. Well, <gasps> time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. <gasps> Who's our new sponsor? Well, if I were worried about our corporate overlords hearing about this, I might use our sponsor because <gasps> this week's sponsor looks around conspiratorially. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is Uni On. <gasps> Tell me more. It's a secure messaging app with complete end-to-end -end encryption that promises to never sell itself to Meta or similar. Ooh. Specifically designed for starting a union on the slide, on the down Ooh. low. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the options here. You can, oh. you can reskin it to look like whatever you use for your work messaging currently, so yeah. like Slack or Discord. And, and it's got one of those boss buttons like you used to see yeah. way back in the 90s of like, oh, I just press F11 and now it looks like I'm doing a spreadsheet instead of playing video exactly. games. Exactly. When anyone sees you opening this up on your phone, they're just like, ah, oh, you're just in the company Slack, mm, of course, mm, or oh, whatever. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, probably yeah. touching base. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah. no one will notice you are secretly setting up a union. It's one, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. So that is union.lol.net. Warning, we're not responsible if you reskin the app and you're accidentally posting the, uh, your identical-looking work chat by mistake and, and then, you know, you accidentally tell your bosses about the, the plans for, you know, tonight's glorious revolution! I mean, what? Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, we gotta look at the numbers. Yeah, numbers. Numbers go up. Well, I mean, look, numbers go up, but right. numbers also go down. Uh, oh, um, staff, because we're we're firing all people. Well, for more numbers. Well, I mean, we might have to. We'll get to that in a second. Excellent. So we've been acquiring lots of lots of studios. Yeah, we've been buying more, up every more, studio more. we can. Just um, gobble, no, no, gobble, no. gobble. We yeah. want to have the entire industry. Yeah, fewer people to compete with us. More monopoly for us. Yeah, I'm just a monopoly little fella. I'm running it, around. I'm num 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 num. Exactly, you you're me. just a monopoly little fella. But yeah. the problem is, like long term, that's money. Right. Short term. We are buying things faster than we're making money. Like, we're spending more than we're making right now. But you gotta speculate to accumulate, right? Exactly. And I love accumulating. Indeed. I, I am all for speculate to accumulate, right. but we do need enough money to make the things that people are gonna buy to make the money. 
I thought we had worked all that out. We were going to, well, like, make... Uh, we had, and then we bought a bunch more studios and all the math's gone. So, right. you know... But, look, isn't we, that what finance are for? They work all these things out. Well, you know, they, they came to me with a suggestion, and their right. suggestion fucking sucked, because their suggestion was, uh, what if you, the executives, take a pay cut, you know, just temporarily, and I said, fuck you, that right. ain't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, of, of course. So, like, you know, we gotta find other ways to save money until, uh, you know, the money comes in for all the acquisitions. Right. So, uh, you know, first of all, very obvious. Fire, like, every unimportant member of staff. Yeah, you know, um, the programmers, artists. Yeah, QA. yeah, like, QA, definitely. Oh, like, yeah, QA's yeah, first yeah. fucking go. Yeah, why do we even have a QA? I thought that's what we had interns for. Exactly, like, worst case scenario, access. like, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll let early access players fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the modders can make uh, patches or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we gotta, we gotta think, we gotta think creative. What other ways we gotta uh, save money? Um, brand deals that could, that could be bringing yeah, we in could, money if nothing we, else. We, we put a lot of brand deals in our games, even more than we already do. Yeah, uh, we could um stop paying any kind of benefit to anyone who doesn't work on this floor. Were we doing that already? <laughs> well, I mean, I think some of the middle managers might have been getting dental. I mean. Nobody needs dental. Right. I mean, we do. Our smiles are perfect. But Yeah, uh, I mean, that's because, you know, my parents paid a lot for it. Exactly. Uh, what if we uh, shave, like, one level off of every game we're making currently? Just take right. one level off. They'll never even notice one yeah. level. But that's like, you know, it'll that'll add up, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's you know, that's shrinkflation. We're, exactly. We're gonna, we can start... There we go. We, we charge more, and we make the games people... Make 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 the game smaller. We're people are always saying, you know, the, those weird lefty types. They're always saying like, I want worse games made by uh, less people, shorter games, experience, yeah, worse that, graphics, that, that, all yeah. of that stuff. So we'll have worse graphics, shorter games, and we'll charge more for it. Right? Exactly, and we'll you know, if anyone complains, we'll we'll you know tap tap the meme, tap the sign, yeah, yeah go yeah, like, yeah. oh, you said you wanted it, yeah, we're doing it, yeah. You are a fucking genius. So are you. So, <gasps> what have you put in your ears? What's the what's the uh, new sounds? I've got a couple of new songs in my ears this week. Uh, let me find the songs that I listened to. Uh, this one was uh, one that I found through our lovely friend Echo. Mm. Uh, recommended this track to me. It's called Arcadia Lovers by a band called Ghost Data. And the only way I can explain this track is that it's like, it's very beautiful, like, melodic drum and bass uh, that does a lot of, like, gradual layering of more and more instruments in a really beautiful way that also uses a sample from Podracer, like Star Wars Episode One Podracer on the N64, as, like, the vocal before, like, the, the beat drops, and it's fucking great. Uh, it is it is the announcer announcing that you've got a new lap record right before it drops. <laughs> does the drop, and it's such a good like it's it's such a beautiful track. And this drop happens. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking in. Hell yeah! It's it's goofy, and I love it. And I am very excited to listen to more of Ghost Data's music. Excellent. Um, I've got to check that out. Yeah. Um, there was there was another track I forget what it was called, but um, I, I saw the name of it. It was something about um, uh, God Killer or something. It, it was something that like Echo was like, oh yeah, no, that one's gonna make you feel like you can kill God, and I'm like, I'm here for Hell it. Hell yeah! So all drum and bass should do that. Yeah, Go <laughs> Ghost Data seems like a really interesting drum and bass band. I want to make time to listen to more of. Um, mm -hmm. Arcadia Lovers, absolutely beautiful track. Um, 
are the songs I listen to. Uh, I listen to a track called Electricity by uh, the weirdest band name I'm going to say today. Mm. Sister Wife Sex Strike. Um. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had a similar moment with that, but the track's really good. The track's called Ele- uh, Electricity, and it is a very frantic and fast-paced uh, folk punk track. Excellent. Um, and uh, without spoiling too much, it starts with a how many folk singers does it take to screw in a light bulb joke that is used to set up the jump into that very fast uh, pace that I think works really well. Excellent. But it's just this very, like, I can't overstate how fast-paced this um, this is for a folk punk track about just sometimes wanting a less modern world when everything's a bit overwhelming. Mm. Um, it's a really, really fun track. I think it works very well. Nice. Uh, and the last new track I listened to this week uh, that I thought was worth noting was a track called Save the Planet, You Dumb Shit uh, by Joe and the Shit Boys. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I found some fucking band names today. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, it's a very sort of like raw, angry punk track about feeling a little bit... Nihilist isn't the right word. A little bit uh, frustrated about... Uh, personal responsibility for global warming uh, being sort of pushed on people uh, by corporations yeah, yeah. and like the idea that corporations like just do this you dumb shit that that'll fix global warming just just recycle more just take mm-hmm, shorter mm-hmm, showers you mm-hmm. dumb shit um and sort of the unspoken thing that the song is clearly getting at is yeah you're you're being told you are you're being a dumb shit if you don't do x y and z to save the planet when the people by who the are, six or seven yeah, people who are actually fucking up exactly the, planet. the people who are telling you that are by and large the people who could fucking do something about it yes. um so yeah those are some some new bits of music i heard this mm, week but didn't you listen to a whole bunch of dessa you didn't know was dessa this week as well uh yeah it, it wasn't new music but i did so <laughs> weird confluence of events. I introduced someone to the music of uh, an artist I really love called Dessa. They then came back to me and went, oh, thank you for introducing me to Dessa's solo stuff. To which I went, Dessa has stuff that isn't solo stuff. To which I learned there was a band called Doomtree uh, that Dessa is a member of and like does some vocals in that I have definitely heard before because I had them saved in my, like, <laughs> l- the music I like. Because I found them as a weather track on Welcome to Night Vale. Ah, the weather. Yeah, so that's a whole little circle of things that happened. So I listened to some Doomtree going, oh yeah, that is Dessa, isn't it? <laughs> uh, did you listen to anything this week? Um, I, I, I had a, a weird one with the weather recently on, on Night Vale. Um, I was like, I know this track. Why do I know this track? I, know, I definitely know this weather. It's um, Revolution Lover by Left at London. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was like, yeah. I I do know this track, and I, I, I do. Um, but what I've been listening to mostly this week is um, Smooth Smooth McGroove. Do you remember Max? Oh, yeah. He used to do yeah. uh, like a, a lot of acapella stuff. Occasionally appeared on the, the Game Station podcast and yeah. optional. Um, does acapellas of, of video game music and has done for many, 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 many years. Um, but like the, there's in the last three weeks, there's been three new tracks which is mm. the first new stuff in about two years. Uh, so he's done a version of uh, Babom Battlefield, the mm. Hateno Village music from Breath of the Wild, and mm. from Shovel Knight High Above the Land. Uh, I don't really know the, the Shovel Knight um, 
music very well because I was not very good at that game. But I enjoyed what I played. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's all really good versions. It's really well done, beautifully done. Um, I'm always impressed by a, a good um, a cappella, especially when someone can do like like has a big vocal range to do all of the bass stuff and all of the uh, the high stuff without. Um, like modifying any of it, it's just like I just had to record until I got the right version. Yeah, yeah. It, it's nice to hear hear Max back doing doing audio. Yeah, yeah. Have you got anything else? Uh, that's about it for stuff I listen to. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Hello and welcome to our art appreciation show. We have been making lots of art. Lots of art for mummy. And we have put it up on a wall. Mm. And we're gonna, we're going to talk about, about what we think of the art like they, like, like they do in mummy's programs. Yes. So here we have a sculpture made on the carpet with lots of, uh, Play-Doh. I see that you have made this sculpture here and it has many different colours and it's built right into the very carpet here so that it will stand up better. Exactly. It was very important that this statue be one with the carpet mm, to symbolise mm, mm. the connectedness of the grass and the horsey that I made is a mixed medium piece of carpet and dog fur and and play doh. The fur is like the horse fur. Is your very good horses that you have done, and and now we move over here where uh, we have a, a snow angel that I made on the bathroom floor with mummy's special powder that that she uses to to make her face not shiny. Indeed, I suspect that she will not be happy about the special powder being on the floor, but that is part of what makes our art. Sometimes is- art has to be a little bit uncon con. Con- controversial, dangerous. Dang- dangerous, dangerous, but not like when you touch the hot things. No, that would be no, not that dangerous. Enough. But like dangerous. And so, mummy might be the, there and mm, might be angry. But mm, it's art. So it's, it's, it's art, okay. and and art is good and important and special. Special. So now we move on to uh, this uh, piece that we call putting on the wall. This was a joint effort. Um, I used all my pudding from yesterday that I had saved in my pockets. And, and you did all the finger work here. I like the, the brush strokes here on this bit of wall. It, it is an interactive piece because mm. you can lick it and it tastes of pudding. It does taste of pudding. It's all chocolatey. And, and, and I see that here, did this, is this a, a kitty here that you have done here? It's a, it's a kitty. It's a big kitty. And the, I like that as you go up the stairs, it tells like a whole, a whole story of the kitty. And the kitty's day, and then the kitty goes to bed, and you can follow it all around. It's like the Bjorks tapestry that we went to see that time. It was like a big roll of a kitchen paper that had lots of pictures that someone had um, sewn on it. Uh, but this is up the stairs and made of pudding. So this has been our appreciation show. We hope to show the rest of our gallery off to Mummy when she gets home from work. Uh, so we'll see you. Thank you for coming. Bye! Bye. Uh, Professor Blackheart, is it? Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, is this today? Yes, well, I'm here from the Homeowners Association. Uh. I think you'll understand 
There have been some violations. Oh, have there now, have there now. Yes, as you know, we are a very proud neighbourhood. We've got mm-hmm. some award-winning gardeners. Mm-hmm. And we we are all known for having such incredibly beautiful lawns, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. in the middle of a drought within the air, we have all done our best to make sure that our gardens look absolutely beautiful. Yes, yes, we yes. Are, we are a very close-knit community here, yes, as you yes, know. We have yes, our barbecues yes. and our parties, and we are known for our modest displays of festive lighting around yes, the holidays. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and the, point, the point being... We have noticed a lot of... Um, Quite loud work going on day and night at your property. Well, um, a certain degree of home renovation is permitted under the HOA. Reasonable home uh, renovations. Yes, and people have been complaining about the rumbling from the suspected underground lair of some sort. I mean, suspected means you don't know for certain, and even if you did know for certain... Your HOA wording is very vague, and reasonable home renovations might include a secret underground lair. You haven't been very specific. Well, we did make aware that we were very unhappy about the use of that three-mile low loader and the uh, subsequent rocket that was lowered through your retracted garden. Now, garden, the grass does have to be real. It is right here, as you will find in the homeowners uh, association agreement that you will have been issued with when you purchase the oh, property it's, it's real grass genetically modified to be very hardy mm, well i mean we are very specific about the uh, actual uh, requirements of the uh, the the grass itself and it does have to be you know one of the three approved types and again How? the whole Retracting back of of the grass and lowering large intercontinental ballistic missiles. Well, my thinking was that if the missile was stored underground, it was no longer uh, a visual a thing that the homeowners association would see, and therefore would be fine under the rules. But if you'd prefer, I could get it back out from underground. And, no, no, uh, that won't be necessary. You know, um, you know, make make some creative use of it. Well, the other thing was there was a homeowners association meeting last week and everyone is required to attend them and bring something for the potluck. I did do that. A bound and gagged international spy is I, not really something we could, we were I, thinking maybe I, look, I a was, casserole. I was looking for something that no one else had said in the group chat they were going to bring, and everyone else had already brought all of the standards, so I thought it would be fun. You thought it would be fun to yes. bring a dinner-jacketed, blabbering international spy who how, you had melted with some kind how, of mind wreck? How often do you see that? It's it's a novelty. Increasingly more often, Professor Blackheart, since you moved to the Again, there's area. nothing in the HOA that says I can't. Well, then, we would like to talk about the fact that nobody's televisions have been working properly since you installed the missile, and there are concerns there okay, might be some radiation okay, leaking okay, from okay. the property. How about this? Give me one moment and I will deal with it so that the missile is no longer any of your concern. Um... 
Uh, peons uh, raise the nuclear deterrent blast shield around the property and uh, start raising the missile. Uh, it's been lovely to see you. I will get on top of all of your demands any moment now. Uh, I've got to get inside. Uh, I'll take it all under consideration. Goodbye. I don't think he's bringing back a casserole. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Personal justice warriors. Personal justice warriors? Yeah. Right, Larry. Right, Larry. How you doing? Oh, you know, uh, yeah, starting to get the uh, end of year snooze on. Oh, the winter, the winter sort of need to have a nap at all times. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm basically ready to hibernate like a large bear. Oh, I understand. I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs> you doing all right, mate? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, uh, oh, I've been uh, keeping an eye on all those uh, video game layoffs that have been going on oh, this past yeah, couple of weeks. It's yeah. been fucking wild. Yeah, terrible. So, mate, I mean, terrible. More, more so than, than you know, it's, it's always been bad, but it's been yeah, particularly yeah, bad these yeah. last few weeks. But, uh, it's brought, but it's brought me back to thinking about something I haven't thought about, you know, in a while. Right, uh, right. Which is specifically who these uh, these uh, layoffs in video games and generally in tech always seem to hit when right, uh, yeah. you know hit first when the big executives uh, overexert themselves, yeah, yeah. and that is uh, QA departments. Yeah, yeah. Like, people people who work in QA, quality assurance, where their job is to like you know find all the stuff that's broken and document it, and, yeah, you know, yeah. and and you know so that it can all be fixed. Usually are the workers who are like, they're paid, you know, some of the lowest wages yeah, yeah. In, in tech companies. They're given some of the least job security. They're treated as absolutely disposable. Yeah, yeah. And the first time that, like, any sign of shit going south happens, they're the first ones who end up getting jettisoned. Yeah, and, well, not only jettisoned, but also blamed for a lot of problems. You know, if a, if a game comes out with, you know, uh, too many problems there, well, the people are like, well, you know, the QA department didn't do their, their job which, well enough. having spoken to a bunch of people who do QA, is often very far from that. Usually... QA have found all those issues that make it to the launch version of a piece of software and they've reported them all up the chain and someone higher up the chain has gone, not a priority. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, gone, yeah, too much money to bother fixing. And, yeah, you know, or at least, you know, until long after the games come out, you know, maybe there'll be a roadmap, maybe there won't, you know, maybe said roadmap will be abandoned six yeah, months in yeah. the release, you know. Yeah, it's 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 depressing because like there's uh, there's a there's a very good reason that most of the uh, video game uh, unions that have started to form in the last yeah. couple of years have primarily been QA workers at various companies yeah, because yeah. it's been good to see. Yeah, it's been good to see, but it is it is a reality that most of them have been QA workers unions because of the fact that they are usually the bottom of the rung. They yeah. don't have uh, a lot of the same protections. They are usually honestly treated treated pretty shittily yeah, um yeah. you know sectioned off in their own area away from the rest of the company and yeah. treated like they're not you as know important. if there are any benefits in 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 sort of companies then you know they're not treated as uh, as being worthy of such you yeah know? and like there is like a real skill to doing qa work yeah. and like it, it is something that like the more experience you have with it the better you get at it yeah. and like there is a real problem with the lack of like senior long term talent in QA yeah. because so many of them get like absolutely like fired at the end of projects yeah. enough times that they go fuck it I need to find yeah. something else in this industry to Getting do get to a point where yeah. you know I need a bit of you know long term security and, and you know yeah. plans for the future there, there is there is a real that like if look if you're someone who plays you know games or you know uses software and like you know if you're going to put the blame on QA which I don't think you should but if you're going to do that 
you should want QA to be treated better because if nothing else, job security means people can stick around longer and get, you know, have more experience with yeah. their job. Yeah. You know, that that certainly won't hurt the uh, the end result of games if people have the job security to get you know to to stick with the thing they want to be doing yeah yeah you know being able to identify a problem being able to you know see things in in a way that you know is very you know having having experience on like what's gonna break a game yeah, and, like yeah, on yeah. how to fuck a game and like what what the common you know pitfalls are in that that's yeah. experience you get from from doing a job yeah exactly you know and also then being able to you know correctly report that it's yeah. enough to, it's, it's one thing to go oh well uh yeah this this is broken it's another thing yeah. to go oh, i've well, identified this thing it is repeatable yeah. in this way these are the steps that, that go to, to do it i and maybe even with enough experience going i suspect it is an issue yeah. in, in this sort of area and, you know, uh, helping, you know, directing in that way or being able to identify that, hey, you know, I was I was testing for three hours and the game started to slow down. So, you know, there's exactly. a memory leak or something somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is, is an aspect of, of the tech industry that in particular really needs a bunch more support than it's getting. Yeah. 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 And, and it, you know, it's, it's clearly something that's become, you know, a much bigger issue more recently, and I don't know if that is the the complexity and size of games, but like I I, I remember having games in the early two thousands. Like, well, yeah, we released two patches for it. They were available on our website. You might even get them on a, on a cover disc from some ra- random magazine. Th- that that is how a lot of us got patches back in the day, and and that was it. It worked, and it was it yeah. was fine. You know, we we didn't have you know. Oh yeah, we're gonna patch it. I mean, Every other day, constantly for however many years. I mean, video games have gotten increasingly, infinitely more complex, yeah. and people are being given a lot less job security to be the ones, you know, making to sure those, you know, to see to make sure those projects get held together, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know. The people that are, you know, trying to trying to find every single possible bug you might encounter in a hundred and fifty hour RPG yeah. deserve all the fucking support oh, yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Oh, fancy okay. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, good luck, mate. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Right, I think I will now pop the kettle on. Oh, sounds lovely. Nice, nice. So, <gasps> you do things. Yeah, I do. Well, when you're not doing all the other things of watching, playing, and listening, oh. what what do you do, and where can people find it? Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon, just Laura K. Bell's pretty much everywhere. Um, this week's episode of Accessibility is about, uh, Forza Motorsport. You can go watch, like, 20 minutes of me talking about that game, uh, in, in a bunch of depth and showing a bunch of stuff off. Um, I've got a book coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Stories of Autistic Joy. Uh, it is... It's basically gender euphoria, but about happy, positive, trans, uh, happy, positive autistic stories mm-hmm. rather than trans stories. Uh, that's coming out on October nineteenth. Check it out. Um, I got a bunch of other stuff, but you're gonna have to wait for that. 
Uh, what about you? Well, I don't have unified branding, but I do have a link tree to tie it all together. That's linktree, linkter.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. I got music, I got t-shirts, I got all sorts of things, I've written some things. Uh, you can find it all, all over there. And my most important one is patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify a 76-hour work week and help me beat myself up about pathological demand avoidance until I make more things for you to enjoy. Uh, yeah, but that's all, all, my, all my good stuff. And, and I wrote a piece for Stories of Autistic Joy, so you should double read it, definitely, please. Uh, yeah, Laura? Yeah? Will you sing us out, please, darling? <gasps> until next time, be a stranger. <laughs>